Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. lift your hands in this place. Let's receive what the work of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here, that you rule and reign. We thank you that we have authority over the flesh, over the world, over demonic principalities. God, that when we're in your presence, it's an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to be reminded of who we are. Reminded of when in Matthew 4, when Jesus was confronted by the enemy in the wilderness, in temptation, for 40 days. And before the enemy confronted him with his hunger, he confronted Christ with his identity. He said, if you are the son of God, why don't you turn this bread or these stones into bread? Some of us today, I feel this saying it, are focused on what the temptation is, and we keep losing the battle at the temptation And the reason we keep losing the battle of the temptation is because he's gotten to our identity. So Father, we thank you that it's through your strength we can handle our stress. It's through dominion we conquer our deliverance. So Jesus, I ask today as we have our hands lifted that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, that we would win our war We would flee temptation. We would fight the demonic principalities. That we be mature on the meat of the word, not going back to the milk because it's easy to swallow. So Jesus, I thank you for the strength that's here. I thank you for the refining that's here. I thank you for the truth that's here. I thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, that captives can be set free. I speak to the deep roots, not just the fruit of sin, but the root of what's causing the sin, that it has to bow its knee in the presence of God. God, deal with the root, scorch the root, destroy the roots that cause us to be bent, the proclivities, all the things that lead us into sin. We thank you as we come back to a heart of worship, right worship, right thinking, correct doctrine, going to the scriptures, that these are the medicine we need to be a faithful witness. It's not burdensome, but it is liberating, and it empowers us against sin. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Just as the mascara was flowing on Kelsey's eyes, it's flowing in the spirit today, that your presence is here. Let us drip with the nectar, the honey, of your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. Amen, well, God bless you. You can be seated today. And Dylan, if you could run up some batteries, we're gonna show a a, um, video in a second. We're a little low on juice today uh, in the microphone, so we'll get that replaced. I'll shout, but it won't be pretty. Well, I think it's pretty amazing as we've been in this series and, in uh, summertime, thank you, um, 
y'all should be on vacation. Y'all shouldn't be here. We should be maybe 40, 50 people, but um, we're breaking summer record numbers with y'all being in church this, this summer. It's awesome. Summer's when you go away, but you're, uh, you're doing the opposite. You're getting in God's house. But we love you regardless if you're here or not, but uh, always a lot funner, a lot easier to preach when, when you're present, not just watching online. Speaking of, we want to welcome everyone tuning in as well. We're glad uh, that you're here. And uh, Have you been blessed in this series? We haven't rushed through it. We've gone uh, really into the depths of some of these things. And I pray you're seeing freedom as you're walking out what uh, the Lord is teaching you and, and what you're being provoked to go and win your war. And um, I found this uh, clip. Uh, it's actually a trailer and... Um, Maybe you all have, have seen uh, uh, over July 4th weekend, there was the Jim Caviezel movie, Sound of Freedom. Anybody seen uh, that movie? Yeah, some of you have. And, um, you see these great movements rising up, dealing with hard issues. That, that movie deals with child trafficking and, and really gives a window into that world. And anytime you see where mainstream media, where Hollywood tries to silence the voice of these kind of movements, it's usually an indicator you want to run and, and support these films and support this work. Well, there's another movie. Um, it's called Nefarious. And a uh, little homework. Today we're going to be talking about breaking cycles of your flesh. Uh, and then next week we're going to be talking about how to deny demons. Uh, so we're going to be getting into some very thick territory. But how many of you know, unless you get into this territory unless you confront these kind of territory, then it can still have a stronghold on your life. You're gonna hear in this clip one of, um, one of the most powerful deceptive works of Satan is to get you to believe he's not even real, believe he's not even at work. And there's this movie, I'm sure you can find it if you Google it on wherever you stream, uh, maybe watch it this week before next week, but it's called Nefarious. And it deals with I believe some biblical principles. It's not a cheesy Christian movie, but it deals with biblical principles uh, woven in of how you confront the demonic in your life. So if you pull this up, Jordan, watch, uh, it's about a minute or so, and uh, check it out. I think it'll, it'll whet your appetite and get you ready for next week. Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. But he's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. We? He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around, you think you're the killer, not him. And give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. It's probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do bad. I can't stop him. 
I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me. It can go away. It can go away. Yes? No. It's starting to happen. Can you feel it, Dave? Can you feel it? should send a little shiver down your spine. It always a reminder that these principalities do exist. And uh, anytime you can catch a, a movie like this or a, um, to remind you, because you got to understand, everything we see in life, even living in comfortable Western America in our routine, it's to just keep you lulled asleep keep you unaware, keep you ignorant. And um, I was even thinking as we've talked about crucifying your cravings through this series, just think about every major interstate stop, all the fast food, all of the comfort pleasures that are so easily and readily at your fingertips. I came across even one of these little studies that talk about how uh, purposely from McDonald's to Wendy's. I'll start making you hungry if I keep naming them all. Um, but they're purposely um, sodium, sugar, addictive ingredients are put into fast food. And you know this because the minute you eat one McDonald's fry, you gotta finish the large fry, right? And the principle where I'm, I want you to see is here is the cheaper it is, the more addictive ingredients that are involved in it. And the enemy wants to get you addicted to things. He works through the cravings. He works through the passions. You got to understand, even as we talk through all of June, the pride movement, the LGBTQ sex religion, all of these things, is the enemy's goal is to get you to identify at the lowest version of yourself. And the lowest version of yourself is your cravings, is your appetites, and is your passions. That's where he wants you to live out of, not live out of the spirit of God, not live from the place of being led and motivated by the Holy Spirit. And here's what I've come to find as well in dealing with the flesh, is the flesh and the demonic are two different things. But many times we get the language mixed up where they both get blended in. How many of you know you cannot lay hands on yourself or someone can't lay hands on your flesh to bring it into line? That's on you and that's on me. We've gotta crucify our cravings. We have to bring our flesh into submission and we're going to see the scripture where it talks of this today. And what happens is, if you continually give into the works of the flesh, if you aren't warring in the Holy Spirit against your flesh, is what you'll find when you give over to your flesh, you, it's, it's a little bit here, a little bit there, is over time, it becomes a playground then for the demonic to have a foothold in your life. If you are warring against your flesh, you're not giving an arena for the demonic to have any kind of foothold in your life because that's where the enemy comes in to attack and that's where he wants to set up shop in your family, in yourself. And we go through this life and, and, and I wanna open the scripture here because I believe there's a great principle at work here in the Old Testament. 
You guys ready to dive in today? We're going to break some cycles, break some cycles of your flesh. Because if you've been in a revolving door of maybe you're uh, uh, a little seasoned in life, maybe your eyes have been on the world a little longer than, than mine have, you should be aware, if you've lived some life, of where your weaknesses are, where your pain is, what sins you struggle with. But what we do instead of overcoming these sins, overcoming these temptations, we make them pets. We get comfortable with them. We get used to them. We know how to keep them in the dark. And we bring our Sunday morning face with this stuff instead of get it to the altar to where you can be delivered and where you can be set free. So that's where we're going today. So let's get ready. Let's put on our, our boots. Let's tie them up. Let's lace them up. And uh, let's dive in. Genesis 25, 22 through 23 says this. And this is about Jacob and Esau. And uh, I believe you'll see this principle at work that really explains our humanity. It says this. It says, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So here we see a struggle before hashtag the struggle is real was even a thing, right? Like this is a real a real struggle here. And it says, is this woman was struggling with the two in the womb, Jacob, Esau. It says, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Right here we see she's doing a, a good thing, a right thing, a correct thing. Many times when we're met with a struggle, do we even ask the Lord about it? I would say no. So she knows I'm going straight to the source of why is this a struggle? Why is this happening to me? She asked. Verse 23, and the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son, hear this, will serve your younger son. Your older son will serve your younger son. You see, I believe this is an amazing example of what is happening in all of us, is that there's two rivals always at play within us, just as we see here in the scripture. There's the work of the flesh, and there is the work of the spirit that are constantly rivaling against one another. And the thing I've come to find in, in what scripture will teach is you cannot cast your flesh out of you. You are stuck with it your entire life. This is what is inherited at your first birthday, known as ancestral sin, original sin. It's the sin given by Adam. This is why you don't have to teach a child to lie. This is why you don't have to teach a child to want sugar, right? That you're, you're bent, your will is bent at your birth towards sin. Your will is bent. Um, it is leaning into that. And so there's this war that we're all invited into, whether we realize it or not. It's the war of the spirit, and it's the war of the flesh. And, and here we see that there's these two rivals, right? And we see that um, it says that the younger or the older will serve the younger. The older son will serve the younger son. The old you should be under submission to the new you in Christ. Amen? So the new you in Christ should be the one that is in front, that is leading. The old you is dead. The old you is, is down. The old you has no power. The presence can still be there. Is, is there times when you've conquered a sin? Maybe years later and that old you temptation comes up. Doesn't mean it has power, 
but then you have to then take what you know and your authority and in the power of the new you and keep the old you dead, sobered, and powerless. So you gotta understand that there's always gonna be the rival at play. And if you're gonna break some cycles in the flesh, you cannot be ignorant to think that the flesh will not wanna rise its head at moments of transition in your life. The flesh won't want to rise its head when there's a moment to bring healing in your family or in your marriage. Because its goal is to always get you to live off the lowest version of yourself. So here we see again, the older will serve the younger. You know, the place that you want your passions and cravings because if you don't bring them in line, they will enslave you. Somebody say amen. Maybe you've been there, you've seen that. And they're meant not to enslave you, hear this, if you get this right and in order and walk it out, is they will actually come to the place to serve you. They can serve you. Your emotions won't be so outburst or out of line, but they'll be in line where they serve you, not enslave you. The same is with sexual appetites. They won't enslave you, but they can serve you and be brought in line the way that the scripture teaches and the way God designed it. Um, talk about money and greed, all of these things. We all know what it looks like when you're way in left field versus when they're ordered and correct. So we've got to understand and we've got to get to the place if you want the secret to spiritual victory is the new you has to, has to be first in line and leading that old you, keeping it dead, keeping it down. That's why we, we love baptism, right? Is that it's a, it's a picture and a sign and a regenerative work of the old man staying in the watery grave and the new man coming to life. And, that, and every time we see a baptism, we should be reminded of the divine order, of the divine way that uh, Christ teaches us. I love this, translate, or this uh, definition of the flesh. The flesh is a traitor within who is in relationship with the demonic without. Say that again. The flesh is a traitor within who is in relationship with the demonic without. See, the demonic work of the enemy, demons, wants to partner with your flesh to torment you, to keep you bound. What have we been saying? The Holy Spirit is our what? Our bondage breaker. Well, your flesh in partnership with the demonic wants to keep you bound, keep you tormented. So your flesh is a traitor within that you've got to keep dead and bound when you've been brought to new life. This is truth too. You cannot change your flesh. You have to convert your flesh, right? Romans 7, 5 says this. When we were controlled by our own nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. So it says there was a point before you met Christ, before you were washed, before you were redeemed, before you came to Jesus, that you were controlled by your own nature. You were controlled by the flesh. And that these sinful desires were at work within you. And it produces a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death and in spiritual death. Romans 8.13, for if you live by what it dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, everyone say Spirit, 
you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and therefore you will live. This is the secret to your spiritual success. This is the secret to walking in dominion. Is putting your old man, putting your old nature to death. Because again, you're born with a drift, a tendency, a bend toward the flesh. And these carnal lower desires, if not subdued, will subdue you. You have to think of it this way too. When you come to saving faith in Jesus, it's at that moment, everything begins, everything changes. And when you look in the scriptures, when Jesus would confront um, the demonic or would have interactions, the demonic wouldn't instantly leave. What would happen is it would manifest itself. So many times when you come to Christ, all of that fleshly carnality, all of the trauma, all of the pain, the things, the roots that are deep within you, the fruits that are visible, all of that begins to manifest itself so that by then the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be set free. Many of us think, I prayed this prayer, I had this amazing encounter with Jesus. That's the beginning of where everything changes, but a lot of it is that's where everything begins to manifest now. And so it's brought to the surface, and now what do I do with this? And see, this is where many Christians get it wrong. This is where they get weak. This is where they jump out of the fight because they, they sign up to follow Jesus not knowing they're now entering into a war. I like this too. The flesh provides the altar for the fire of the enemy to kindle. See, your flesh is a place that the enemy wants to kindle the vices in your life, wants to stir up demonic principalities in your life. This is why it has to be subdued. It is a traitor. I like this as well. Whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God and takes away the relish of spiritual things, if anything increases the power of the flesh and not of the spirit, that is when it becomes sin. If it weakens your reasoning, if it impairs the tenderness of your conscience, and if it obscures your sense of God and takes away the relish or the zeal or the longing for wanting to follow God. Isn't this how the enemy works? This is where he obscures your vision. He, he gets your lens dirty and impairs your judgment. You see, Judas and Peter were different, right? And what I find interesting is when Judas betrays Jesus, it says that there was an opportunity. So the opportunity finally presented itself for Judas to move on it. And the betrayal of Jesus, uh, you saw in, in his passion, everything uh, begins to take place. You see, what's in you, what is being motivated in your flesh, a lot of us think that when I fall into sin on Friday, it all happened on Friday. But what's been happening, you were being groomed by the enemy Monday through Thursday, putting images in your mind, getting you talking, getting you gossiping, getting you down, getting you defeated, and then Friday comes and you indulge in the sin. You gotta understand the enemy grooms. He's not quick with it. He'll be patient. And Judas, you can see, was being groomed. It was in his heart, but it says when the opportunity came, he took it. And you got to understand it. When you're being groomed by the enemy, there will be an opportunity. And it's at that point, if you have not been subduing and being sober 
with the flesh, it will rise up and it will have dominion over you. Don't give it a foothold. Did you know the flesh produces works? Yes, pastor, I did. Awesome. Galatians 5, look what it says. We read this a few weeks ago. Galatians 5.19. And this is going to be heavy language here from Paul. That just as there's works of the spirit, there is works of the flesh. It says this, now the works of the flesh are evident. So they're not hidden. They're not, I think that's a sin. No, they're evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Should I say hatred again? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Anybody get angry? Outbursts in your emotions? Selfish ambitions? Getting personal, Paul. Dissensions, heresies, envy? Murder, drunkenness, revelries, and that the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, someone say practice, help me, Alan Iverson, practice. Some of you will get that, some of you won't, that's okay. It says those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, there's a difference between struggling and warring against sin. This is what we're talking about today. Every Christian and believer will struggle and war against sin. The church said amen. But it's when you practice sin, we, we're in a different conversation. If you practice sin, it says it very clear, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is where it gets very heavy. And this is where lines are drawn. There's no gray area here. When you get to the place of where your conscience gets so seared, as it says in 1 Timothy 4, when you get to the place where you no longer war and struggle against it, you give into it and you practice it, what do you do when you practice? You practice to get better at something. So it's saying you're in the realm of practicing it. You're getting really good at your sin. You're good at hiding it. You're good at just flaunting it and being open with it. This is why we have movements in our country and uh, in our churches where sin is even openly practiced and declared. I want you to watch this video. And this is what breaks my heart because you see the lowest version of a church. This is what's confessed corporately at this church during Pride Month, and it's called the Sparkle Creed. Maybe you've seen this, maybe not, but... We'll see if we can get through the whole video. Probably not. We'll probably turn it off. But it will break your heart because this is how far those who practice these iniquities, those who practice this sin, this is then what it looks like when it manifests. And see, the enemy, as we have been talking about, if he can get you to think he doesn't even exist, why wouldn't he just keep doing what he's doing? He doesn't have to show up in a pitchfork. He doesn't have to show up um, in where he can be visible. He just indoctrinates. He gets into the weeds. He gets into the details. But look at this, and um, hopefully it breaks your heart like it breaks mine. Go ahead and put that up there, Jordan. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus. 
Well, it looks like that's as far as we'll go there. So what I want you to see is this is what you get when you're deceived, when doctrines of demons are at work. You know, we confess the Nicene Creed, right? Your creed, what is, it, what is in your confession is your creed. And the enemy knows if he can steal the confession of the church and get into the creed of what the church believes, you get lunatics like this in a pulpit confessing to be a witness of Christ, confessing to be a so-called pastor. And what is sad about that is it's not just her that you heard reading it. It's just the sheep in her congregation that have so blindly believed the, what you heard confessed there. So this is the mess that we're in. And again, this is just the church. We're not talking about the world. This is a so-called church that has this type of fleshly, carnal creed that they confess. And it breaks my heart. I think of the children there. I think of those being educated there. I think of what will be the fruit of that. This is how wild and how turbulent is you head into the headwinds of what's happening in modern church and modern America. This is why you can't be deceived. So as you put up, those who practice the works of the flesh, these are what begins to manifest. And this, again, is just in the church. You would expect to see this in Hollywood, right? Some Hollywood production blaspheming the church. No, this is a church that believes wholeheartedly in this, that they're doing and interpreting the scriptures correctly the way that Jesus would, would have them. So we don't want to practice iniquity because if you practice it, you will not inherit the kingdom. Hell will be your reward. Heaven will not, as bluntly as I can say it. But we struggle against it. We don't give in to it. And we war against these works of the flesh. We talked of last week that Scripture teaches fleeing from temptation, not debating with it. If you want to gain freedom over your temptation, stop debating it and flee it. Run from it. Don't even give it an inch. It's the little foxes that want to get up and spoil your vine this morning. You know, I've come to find, too, that we misdiagnose sin. We treat it very lightly. We tread lightly on it. And in misdiagnosing sin, it can sound like this. I'm defeated in this area of my life. I'm defeated with pornography. I'm defeated uh, in the place of my outburst all the time. I'm defeated in pride. I'm defeated um, with just having, uh, being selfish and having an inflated ego all the time. And when we say we're defeated, we diminish what the sin actually is. You see, it's not being defeated, it's you're being disobedient. And when you begin to change the language and you diagnose sin correctly as it is disobedience, not defeat, then the remedy is repentance, which the enemy wants to keep you away from. He'll try to get you to think repentance is legalistic or works-based or you've got to muster up the strength for you to do it on your own. No, repentance is the very thing that sets you free from the bondage and the yoke of sin. And so when we stay in this place of I'm so defeated all the time, we never see the real need to go and repent before the Lord and gain strength to change our mind 
And so I'm here to tell you today, when, when you know the sin you struggle with, call it for what it is. It is disobedience toward God. Do not water it down because, again, if it gets watered down, you don't see the need. And what we just read by Paul is this is an eternal issue. This puts your soul on the line. If you get into the place of when you are no longer struggling and warring against it, but you are now practicing these things, your soul is in jeopardy. And that's not something to play with. And we're not going to play with that as a church. I love you enough to, to tell you the truth. Churches don't talk about this stuff because it, it's uncomfortable. It's too direct, too blunt. But when you read through the scriptures for what they are, it's all about repentance. All about repentance. If Paul isn't good enough, let's see what Jesus says. We love Jesus. We trust his words, right? Matthew 7, 21. And again, we're talking about this today to break the cycles of the flesh. If you are tired of dealing with sin, it's because you've misdiagnosed it. At the end of the day, that's what I've come to find. If you keep going into the same cycle, is you're not dealing with the root, you're just dealing with the fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, so you gotta do something, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who what? You practice lawlessness. Again, you're in the place if you've struggled against it, because again, the flesh will be present. It's just how much life do you give the flesh as you war and walk through life? So Jesus himself says the things we read from Paul are lawlessness, are wickedness, not weakness, wickedness, that we don't want to practice these things, but we want to war against them. This is why the church is a hospital, because we are coming in from a battle every week. You're warring against these things. We don't come and put our most perfect self together in church. Sometimes when we get to church, it's been a bloody fight that week. Warring against ourselves. Warring against that which wants to entangle you, that wants to take your fight. What did we talk of last week? You gotta rise above the storm, you gotta soar like the eagle, you gotta stick like the soldier. The enemy's after your stick and wants to get you all up in arms, double-minded. So we see Jesus says you can't practice these things. Three things to help you in overcoming and breaking the cycle of your flesh. Number one is you have to consider yourself dead to the flesh. If you're taking notes, write it down. Grab a church, tie the envelope, write it on there if you didn't come ready. Romans 6.11 says, likewise, you also reckon yourself. You've got to have a day of reckoning with your sin. You've got to reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we have to see with sin is Jesus removed the power of the flesh. He did not remove the presence of your flesh. Jesus on the cross at Calvary, the blood of Jesus, took away the power of the flesh. But the presence of your flesh is still evident. So in dealing with the presence of your flesh, that's then where it comes in union and communion with the Holy Spirit to then war, to live a spirit-filled life, again, keeping your flesh subdued. 
keeping a sober approach. Because the enemy, first off, wants to get you to think that you're in a losing fight when you start. But with what Jesus did, the power he's given you, he gives you and I a fighting chance. Somebody say amen. You have a fighting chance because of the cross each and every week, each and every day. And because you have a fighting chance, you can deal in your authority what God has given you. This is why you've got to know the word in the scriptures because this is where the enemy plays, that you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, and you gotta have your day of reckoning. And I pray today for some of us, this is a day of reckoning for you in a specific area of secret sin, of sin that maybe you know is sin, but you're practicing it now. And you have a day of reckoning and you go to war with it and you begin struggling again. Because guess what? We're all struggling together. We're all in battle and in war together. And this is where you see the power of God set you free, do miracles in your life and change your story and change your legacy. Aren't you thankful for somebody in your bloodline, in your family line who stood and warred against something? So it didn't have to be your fight. In Christ, the power of it was dealt with and even the presence of it was dealt with so that even you could have a stronger fighting chance and get ahead a little quicker and not deal with something that you should have conquered in your 20s and your 50s. So the power of it has been dead and we have to start from this revelation that it's been defeated. I like this as well when David defeated Goliath. It wasn't this big celebration that followed. It's then they all went into war. So when Goliath falls, the war has to then begin. Many think Goliath's defeated and it's hoorah and it's a celebration, but no, this is the beginning of the war. And it should put some fire in you when you see a Goliath fall in your life that you can go and then clean camp out. Don't give it a foothold. Don't be consistent in practicing it. Don't habitually do it. Don't be a regular partaker of sin. Number two, we've talked about it, but it's so important. You gotta get this in your spirit is you gotta crucify your cravings. And again, next week we're getting into the realm of denying demons. But before you can deny demons, you gotta know how to conquer your flesh. And I believe many of us, this is where we live for a very long time. This is where our, our bed is made. This is where our comfort creatures keep us bound, where we don't crucify the cravings. The great lie of temptation is this, is that it will satisfy or fulfill you in some way. What we sing today in, in, in the heart of our worship in this church is that you be so satisfied in Jesus that the satisfaction of sin stinks and doesn't satisfy you anymore. When you worship the sins you're warring against should lose some of its allure and should lose some of its passion and lose some of its strongholds in your life. This is the power of worship. What are you assigning worth to? Is, is worth in your sin? Are you worshiping the, the demigods and the gods of, of money, sex, and power? Or are you subduing it and putting it in its rightful place? You gotta crucify your cravings. That's on you. Jesus gives you the power. You then go have to then crucify the things in your life. Romans 6.12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. Don't let sin reign in your life. Have a standard. 
raise the standard. You see, the question is not who you have, but who you're yielding to. The two are at war, the two rivals, the two nations, but it's the older is going to serve the younger. And this is the way God designs it. It's not a question of who, who is at war. We know who's at war. It's who are you yielding to on a daily basis? Where's your yield? Where's your lean? Where's your bend? That's why you got to get up every day. You put on your armor and you go to war. And know that you fight the flesh from a place of victory. And this is how we don't let sin or even just um, vices, laziness, debt, a bad mouth, toxic traits. This is where when you get into crucifying your cravings, you deal with the toxicity in your life. You flush it out and you become more like Christ. I call this um, fleshly friction, that you gotta create some friction in your life. And see, the thing we have to know is the moment we move forward with God, you're not gonna have peace. You're not gonna have peace. You're gonna have a war. Now, you can find peace in that war, but many of us, we set ourselves up to think, I'm taking this wonderful, beautiful step of faith, and it's just gonna be amazing on the other side. No, you're gonna be met with temptation. You're gonna be met with a war because the enemy doesn't care about the person who isn't warring against something. It's the minute you get into the fight, you get into the war, you awaken all of hell to begin to deploy its tactics against you. Hate to break it to you too, you're not gonna find comfort off the bat. You're gonna find a conflict. Let's not misdiagnose our sin again. I like this too. The presence of the Holy Spirit does not remove the conflict. It actually creates it in your life. You start walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, it says you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? It doesn't say that the lust of the flesh won't be there. It says you won't fulfill it. So when the presence of the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, it doesn't remove the conflict. It empowers you in the strength of the Spirit to now go and fight the conflict. We just wait for the Holy Spirit to zap us and think that it's just gonna all work out and it's all gonna be good because I love Jesus. No, you gotta go deeper. You gotta be stronger if you're gonna really deal with the fruit. And again, if you're gonna break the cycles of the flesh, it will not be fantasy, it will not be fun, it will not be exiting your reality to do so, to get up in an ivory tower. It's usually fasting. It's praying, it's getting on your face, it's weeping, and it's repenting of your sin. You'll find freedom, I guarantee it, if you're, if you're willing to wage war against it. Galatians 5.24, as we prepare to close, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. Crucified its passions and its desires. Number three is this. So number one, we've got to consider ourselves dead to the flesh. You gotta have your day of reckoning. Number two, you gotta crucify your cravings. And number three, you have to commit to the following and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Am I talking to anyone who wants to commit to the following and the leading of the Holy Spirit? This is our everyday way of thinking is we're committing to his leading, not the leading of the flesh, Right? So what we see 
Uh, I love this scripture. I think this is, lays it out as plain as day. Hebrews 10, 26 through 30. It says this, it says, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. And this is, again, I pray no one under the sound of my voice experiences this. But the author of Hebrews is telling us that there will be those that do. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. But hear this, those of us under grace, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. You see, the enemy wants you to get to take this covenant and make it a common thing. Make it where it doesn't have power in your life. It's some fake confession. It just sounded good or you were manipulated maybe by a family member or put in a, in a place of, of spiritual manipulation to say a prayer. But it didn't come from the depths of who you are. So it's saying, do not make this is a common thing, and insult the spirit of grace. And insult the spirit of grace. And this is heavy stuff. This is why we can't take our faith lightly, Christianity lightly. We can't just show up and think everything's going to work out in your life. This is where the pressure is then applied back to you and to me when we leave the Sunday sermon, when we leave the gathering, you're still at war. And this is where I think at times we can get it wrong and we're just looking for peace. And if we find peace, then that's where God is. But you find God in the battle. And then again, in the battle, you're going to find peace because in the battle, you have a way of getting above the storm and getting your strategy. And again, I'm talking tough and I'm talking blunt today because I'm tired of the cycle. And I pray you're tired of the cycle because the cycle will wear you out. There's some of you today that are worn out. The appetites and the cravings that you have fought your whole life but have not found victory have worn you out. And until you get the seriousness of it, because again, the enemy, if, he, if you don't even think he exists, or if you don't know that there is a flesh to be subdued, to be crucified, then you're just gonna be in defeat your whole life. He'll give a little bit of relief for a little bit of time, yeah. but then you'll find yourself right back in the cycle. Here's a hard truth. When we sin and we feel bad, this is, again, what I believe keeps us in the cycle, but if we can change our thinking in this, I believe there can be freedom. When we sin and we feel bad, many times we repent to get the re relief from the guilt, but not the release from the sin. Many times we repent to get the relief because we feel bad, but not get the release from the bondage, not the release from the chain that's around your neck. And I'm telling you today, if you can move past the emotion of it, that I've hurt someone, those are all a part of it that gets, leads you to the place of understanding the reality of the choice you've made that dealt in a consequence. 
but you have to go for the release, not the relief. The relief is the Band-Aid. The release is the surgical procedure that removes the cancer, and that's the gospel. That's the cross. This is why the cross is the power to the equation. Again, Jesus defeated the power of your flesh and your sin, but you then have to go and yield and wield and crucify your cravings. Let's not confuse this. I want you to stand with me this morning and I want us to pray. And wherever you found this place of where you need to repent, I want you to hear from David in Psalms 32, one through six. And understand it's it's time for you to stop lying to yourself and lying to God. This is what we do in our sin. We lie to ourselves, and we lie to God. When God knows, we know, but we look for that relief in a lie. Look what David says. He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Amen? Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Stop being silent with your sin because you will die and grow old spiritually. It says, though my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I believe this morning the hand of God is heavy upon some of us. Don't let the weight shift just yet. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. He can be found right here, right now. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. So we see David kind of giving this antidote, this formula of wholehearted, healthy repentance. And when we repent, we're not just saying we're wrong, but we're saying anything that I came into agreement with, I am now breaking that agreement in the name of Jesus. You see, some of you have come into agreement with doubt, with fear, sexual partners in sin that you've not repented of. You've come into, da- you've come into agreement with pornography. You've come into agreement with lust. Je- uh, the scripture says it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The very first sin was through the lust of the eyes. Eve saw something that allured her, and she took of the fruit. And today, you can wage war in the eye gates and say, I repent of that which I've allowed my eyes to deceive me with, a better life. Maybe there's a better marriage over there. And you, you just get lost in the fantasy. Yes. Our world is so fantasized. Okay. That's why our world gives more money to Disney than they do the house of God. Yeah. And so we see... That which Jesus even says, wherever your treasure goes, there's your heart follows. Our treasure is on all the wrong places. And again, I say this, not to just try to get some relief, 
But in the name of Jesus, agreements be broken that have been uh, partnered over your life. Things that you've come into agreement with unknowingly, things that your family has come into agreement with, maybe today is the day you break it for your children, for your family line, and that you be released from it. So in the name of Jesus, if you want to break some agreements this morning, I want you just to lift your hands. You know what they are, and I want you to give them to the Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, we thank you that the power of the flesh is defeated. We come into agreement with you, and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is in this place. He is within us, he is for us, and he is empowering us. And in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, agreements and bondage be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, we repent of sin. We repent of wickedness. We repent of where we have been deceived. We repent of the places of where we've practiced lawlessness. God, let us be like David. We don't hide from it. We confess it. We bring it into the light and we find the power that is needed. Jesus, I thank you that that which held us captive by the power of the cross, you took captivity captive in the name of Jesus. God, that freedom flow from this altar today. I want you just to make it personal between you and the Lord and just begin to repent as the Holy Spirit brings things up. I'm telling you today, this is where you can get your release and today can be the beginning of the cycle breaking in your life. Jesus, we repent, repent specifically, not just broadly. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this. No, we wage war very strategically, and we bring it into the light. Holy Spirit, as we're bringing these things into the light, we thank you as we leave this place. The standard has been raised. The release has been found. And now we have to go and walk it out in faith. We have to go and wage our war. We got to stick like a soldier this week. When the temptation comes, we don't debate with it like we have that's kept us in a cycle. We put the fork down. We delete the app. We turn the phone off. We fast where we need to fast. We pray what we need to pray. And we get up and we keep our mind focused. Like Timothy says, do not get entangled. Father, this is not legalism. But this is the very thing that there is a work to do in this life that we want to inherit the kingdom, not let it pass us by, not get deceived by doctrines of demons and thinking we're doing that which is right, but it's actually wrong. It's what the scripture says, that there will come a day when we'll call evil good and good evil. That's today. That's the spirit of the age. Oh, Jesus, set us free. Some of us need to get in our face this week and begin crying out to God for our family, for our future, for our bondage to be broken. Jesus, deploy the Holy Spirit to your people in a powerful way this week and let him get up and walk and crucify the appetites and the cravings. Father, we thank you. Your presence is here. 
you look at me for just a moment before we take communion. Understand this too, as we're in the presence of God, is that when the presence of God is here, the scripture does not say you have the Holy Spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says when you walk in the Spirit. So just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're gonna exercise the authority or that which the Holy Spirit has given you to break the bondage. You have to take it and now begin to walk in it. There's a difference with just having the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit, being in relationship with the Spirit. So you gotta get in relationship this week. You gotta do the hard work of getting in the scriptures, of changing the atmosphere in your home, turning some stuff off Netflix, putting worship music on, very practical things that can change dynamics in your life. The scripture is not hard, it's very practical. Many times we over-spiritualize that which we need to be practical with. So as we prepare to take the body and blood of Jesus, as we prepare to bring an offering today, You know, I love that communion is something and is really one of the only things in the mysteries of the church, the sacramental life. Marriage is a sacrament. Communion is a sacrament. Baptism is, is a sacrament. It's a visible sign of an invisible grace that brings life, that brings empowerment. This is what communion is. And I love that it deals with the tongue. You know, you're consuming the body and blood of Jesus. I think we can just flippantly do it. and We're never to flippantly consume the body and blood of Jesus. We're to do it reverently. It's to be a sacred moment. And if in these last uh, probably four or five months, we've had communion every Sunday. And this has been intentional. This hasn't been, oh, this is something we want to do now. It's to bring the, The seat and summit of this church is where Jesus is elevated and lifted. Not a pastor, not my testimony, not your testimony, the testimony in the blood of Jesus. That this is where it all leads to, is Jesus. You see the ascended Christ. It's the ascended Christ that deploys the Holy Spirit. Without him, you have no power. Many of us want to skip over this Jesus thing and get to the power, get to the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. The Holy Spirit shows you who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit never acts out of who Jesus was. And so as we take the body and blood of Jesus, I believe even in this, there is a specific bondage that can be broken over your mind, over your heart. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your strength, that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. That when we take this, we're saying, we're gonna be obedient. Not just take the commandments flippantly, but there's power when you get obedient. They're not suggestions. But understand that, yes, the cross can be heavy when you walk out the commandments, but when you start to see the freedom that's in front of you, you get your, your running shoes on and you run after it. I don't care how heavy it is. Sin is heavy in and of itself. I'd rather have a heavy cross that gets freedom into my life. So as you raise the, his, his body today, it says it was broken for you. Jesus, we thank you that the power of sin is broken over each and every one here. Give us revelation of it. 
This is our day of reckoning against the cycle of sin that's at play in our life. Fathers, we take your body. Let bondage break for generations off of our life. We wore it, we crucify it under your head, under your power. The scripture says we are members of Christ because you're the head. And the body lifted above our own head, broken for us, that every good and spiritual blessing flows down from that. We take your body in Jesus' name. As we take of the covenantal cup, your blood. Father, we thank you that in this blood, the new creation is nourished. Your old man, are you nourishing it this morning? The way you defeat it is you starve it. The way you grow your new nature is you nurture it. The greatest nurturing element is the blood of Jesus, is what he says about you, is your identity, is your purpose. Some of you today, after we, you get this revelation, as we take this blood, purpose is gonna come back into your life. The breaking of the mundane. How many of you know sometimes the mundane of just existing can be bondage over your life? the Holy Spirit wants to break some mundane things off of you that you've settled in. So in the name of Jesus, we repent of sin. God, that we be released from sin today. God, that there's power in this covenant. You don't run from us when, when we bring our sin. You're not repelled by our sin. You take it and you absorb it. You set us free from it. Life flows through you when we come in humility and repentance. So we pray that the life of Jesus flow into every member of our body, every member of our spirit, every member of our soul, that freedom reign in this place because of the blood of Jesus. We take the blood in Jesus' name. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, today. And as we bring our offering, I want to invite the ushers. If you need to be seated to prepare your offering, feel free to. You know, what's amazing is I think of David as we prepare to give. You know, David was in obscurity before he was ever called, before he was ever chosen. I think about our church right now is we're in obscurity. And I thank God for obscurity. Because it's when you're out in the shepherd's field, you can get some stuff right. You can defeat the lion, and you can defeat the bear before you're met with Goliath. And I think our generation is so quick to want to get out of obscurity and get to some platform that what they didn't learn in obscurity, the platform actually crumbles them. As I look into the future of what is happening, what God is doing. I thank God for obscurity. I thank God for the times in your life before he gave you a promotion or before he put you to teach or to lead or out in front of somebody to then 
carry the weight of discipling their soul. That you're in obscurity. You're in a place where you can grow. You're in a place where you can be discipled. And I, what I see the Lord doing is he has us in a place of, of obscurity to get the lion and the bear right before Goliath falls. And so I pray today that as we give, the future of this church and of this ministry is bright. God's gonna provide, he's going to bless, he's going to do, we know that. We've seen that. I pray you've seen that faithfulness in your life. But don't ever miss the moment of obscurity where you can get things right before then the vice is squeezed and the pressure is put to the test. Obscurity is where you're developed. Obscurity is where character grows. Obscurity is, can you be faithful with the little things? I'm telling you, the Lord is attracted to obscure people. He's not attracted to the platforms that we wanna have or the big businesses we wanna build or the big churches we wanna grow. He's attracted to the little mustard seeds of faith when we move toward him. And some of you today, when we give, it's not a sign of this big amount we give. It's I am moving toward the Lord in faith. I'm trusting him with the tithe. I'm, I'm taking him at his word. And these are the places that he builds and he grows our faith. Jesus, we thank you today. It is a joy and honor to give, to put you to the test. We want to rebuke the demonic in our life. Malachi says that he rebukes the devourer. Some of us, it can be as practical as trusting the Lord in the tithe and watch the enemy flee from our finances, from our health. This is not some prosperity gimmick. This is scripture and this is truth. So Lord, we thank you. We take you at your word. We trust you in the tithe. It's a joy to give. In Jesus' name, amen. What you give today? I pray that you've been blessed. Um, before we pray the blessing over you, just to reiterate the announcements, we have the fellowship meal uh, on the 13th, which is gonna follow right after the service. We're gonna be catering in, uh, and there's a place for you to sign up next week there. Uh, and then we have baptism here at the church on July 30th. So if you or a loved one or one of your kids want to be baptized, uh, get them signed up. Uh, but don't get lost in the announcements. You got to go and now fight a war. You guys ready to fight a war this week? I pray you are. I know you can do it. I wouldn't preach it to you if I didn't know you could do it. So I got faith in you. The Lord has faith in you, obviously. Uh, but I'm so thankful for our team. Corey, appreciate you. I tell them every week, you got my back. Without you, I couldn't do it. Um, Jordan and Allison, Alec, Dylan every week. So many that work behind the scenes in our kids' ministry. They're having an ice cream party outside. Some of you are like, I wish I would have went to the ice cream party before learning how to crucify some flesh today. It sounded a lot better. But no, your kids are in a good place, what they're being taught, how they're being taught, um, that they're... What the Lord is doing now is preparation and obscurity like I'm talking about. But there is a harvest that's coming. Harvest for your family. I believe this work isn't just gonna be inside these doors. It's gonna extend and touch 
the surrounding area of our community. Our school is going to be so far-reaching. This ministry is going to be so far-reaching. But you can't get to the harvest if you never plant the seed. And the seed is being planted now. But planting seed is never fun. Planting seed is by the sweat of your brow. But I believe there's a harvest coming for you personally and for this church. And I'm not just saying it because who doesn't want to talk about a harvest? Who doesn't want to talk about blessing? But I feel it deep in my spirit. So if you stand to your feet, we'll pray for you today. Thank you for spending overtime with us. I pray you're blessed by these altar moments and just uh, taking a moment in the Lord's presence. If you lift your hand, Father, we thank you today that you bless us, you keep us, your face would shine upon us. God, that we lack for nothing today, spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, financially. That the word of God guide us, that the armor of the Lord protect us, that we wage the war, and this day we will look back and say the cycle began to break. So Father, we thank you that when the temptation, when the enemy raises its ugly head, God, next week we're gonna get into how do we deny the demonic? And as we deny the demonic, we then take the strategies, the systems, and we use them to our benefit, not the enemy's benefit. So Father, we thank you today for freedom in this place. We go in the authority you've given us. We exercise in the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We are a free, blessed, powerful people in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.